Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parshas Vayakel, and we're going to be doing our last installment of the topic of Bishel on Shabbos. This is Halachas of Bishel on Shabbos, Part 7. <coughs> so we have discussed the Halacha of a Kli Rishon, which is a pot that's on the fire, even after it's off the fire, that's the Kli Rishon, and the Halachas of Klisheni, which is when the food then gets transferred into the next dish. Klerishin, we have spoken, has the ability to cook minhatera, and we classify anything which was on the fire as long as it's still yad is bay, as long as it's still hot enough that you can't keep your finger in there for about 30 seconds. There's a disagreement in the Pisgum exactly what temperature that is. Something which is a dover bush, meaning a solid or semi-solid item, such as chicken or chalant, and certainly the potatoes in the chalant, are a dover gush, and they retain their status of a clerician even after being transferred to another plate or vessel, there's a chumrah, but it still retains the status of a clerician, and therefore you should avoid putting spices or sea salt, which is not cooked, on your chicken or chalant until it has cooled down less than yet. So that generally doesn't take all that long. Now, as far as regular table salt is concerned, the jury is still out on that one. I'm still in the process of determining if it is truly cooked when they process it, when they evaporate it. And I've contacted Morton Salt, who haven't answered me yet. According to the information on their website, it would seem that it's not necessarily cooked, but um, there's still some details there that we have to work out. So hopefully whenever I find out, I'll, I'll let you know. Now, Klisheni is the second vessel that the food is in. This technically doesn't cook, as we've spoken, but however, it does have the ability to cook something which is known as Kalehabishal, something which cooks very easily. We don't know exactly how to classify Kalehabishal. We know that water, oil, spices are not Kalehabishal, and you could put them into a klisheni. And we're pretty sure that tea bags are Kalehabishal, they cook very easily. Most other things are safi, somewhere in the middle. So therefore, we're machmer not to put any of those things into a klisheni for fear that it might be kalehabishal. In a klishlishi, we're typically not machmer, but something which is for sure kalehabishal, like tea bags, one should be stringent even in a klishlishi. There are places that allow it, but it's, there is definitely a good reason to be machmer not to use tea bags even in a klishlishi. So therefore, tea should only be prepared on Shabbos in one of three ways. Number one, by making tea essence, that's taking you know, a bunch of tea bags and cooking them before Shabbos so that you have a concentrate of tea. Number two, by soaking the tea bag in water, which is not yet to let us buy, which actually works. You can take a tea bag, put it in water, which has already cooled down, and the flavor will come out, and then you can add hot water. And number three, obviously, you can use instant tea, tea powder. Instant coffee and instant tea may be made in a klisheni. Why? Because both of them are cooked in the process of devel- development, so it's a bishel achar bishel, so you can put it into a klisheni. Regular coffee grounds can't be used on Shabbos because they are not cooked at all. They are just roasted, and therefore they're kalehabishal. In addition, if you're going to use regular coffee grounds, is uh, another problem because you have to use a filter, and that creates a situation of bearers, so it's there's other issues with making coffee for with regular coffee on Shabbos is Bishel plus Bayer. On Yantiv it would be able to be done, of course, because you can do both of those things on Yantiv. You can do both Bayer and Bishel. Now, Starbucks has a product which is called Via. Now, Via 
combines both instant coffee and coffee grounds. That's why it tastes a little better. They're just much smaller pieces of coffee ground and they dissolve. But the problem is those coffee grounds aren't cooked. So then there is a question of Vishal. So if you're using via, you should be careful to use a Kli Shlishi. And then you can, you can, you, then you can use it. There is a rule, which we've mentioned a number of times, of Ein Bishal Achar Bishal. Once something is cooked, it can't be cooked again, and therefore you're allowed to put it into hot water and so on. Now, there are two important exceptions to this rule. Number one is liquids. By liquids, the rule of Ein Bishal Achar Bishal only applies while they are at least warm from the heat that cooked them. Now, they don't have to be yet to lettuce bite, but they do have to still have some appreciable heat. So if you, let's say, for example, you took water from the urn. As long as it's still appreciably hot, which means you can still enjoy it, although it's not yet to lettuce bite, it has the rule and the status of ambishal acharbishal, and you'd be allowed to add that water to a hot chalent pot off the fire. Once it cools to a point where its heat is negligible, so now it's basically cold, then it loses this quality of Ein Bishel Achar Bishel, and there can be Bishel once again. So let me give you an example. Ketchup, for example. Ketchup has been cooked, but now it's cool, and it's a liquid, and therefore you don't have the heter of Ein Bishel Achar Bishel. So you wouldn't be allowed to add um, ketchup to a hot chalent pot, you can't add ketchup to it. It's going to get cooked. However, once the chalent is on a plate, which is a, even though it's a cliché and although it's a Dabra Gush, Rav Meisha rules that we don't have to extend this Chumrah so far, which means, in other words, really it's Ein Bishal Bishal on a liquid even after it cools down. We're machmer that it has to be hot, but he says you don't have to combine these two Chumrahs. So you can, you can put ch- um, ketchup on your chicken that's on your plate because you don't have to combine the Chumrah of Ein Bishal Achar, that there is Bishal Achar Bishal by a Dabra Lach and a Dabra Gush, so, bottom line, you can do that. You can put um, ketchup on chicken that's on your plate or anything similar to that, but don't put it into a clearition because that would be an issue. You there over there, you do have to be machmer and say that there's there's bishalach bishal because it's cooled down. Now, another exception to this rule is that something which was baked, like challah, there we say yesh bishal achar afia, because although it was baked, it can be cooked. And therefore, you can't dip challah into a clearition because it would be cooking it of liquid. And likewise, you can't, Ramah says you can't dip it into a klisheni either because since it's not considered cooked, we're concerned that it's challah habishal. So you can't dip it not into a clearition or into a klisheni. You would be able to be lenient with a klishlishi. And you don't have to be stringent with a davragush either. So you can use challah on your chalant if it's a klishlishi. But you shouldn't dip challah in your soup again unless it's a klishlishi. So challah is baked, and we say yesh bishalacharfi. You could cook something after it's baked, and therefore you can't stick it not into a klishin and not into a klisheni, but you could stick it into a klishlishi. However, there is a rule of enafiyacharafiyah, right? You can cook after baking, but you don't can't bake after baking. So let's say, for example, you take potato kugel. It's baked. You take it out of the fridge. It's cold, but it was baked and you put it on top of a crock pot, although it's going to become yatsa lettuce bite, it's going to become very hot, that's fine, because it was baked, and you're not putting it in liquid, you're just putting it on a heat source. So that's just baking. You can't bake something after it was baked. That's fine. So the only exception is when the two things are different. You can cook after baking, and you can bake after cooking. But you can't cook after cooking, you can't bake after baking. So there's no bishel after bishel, there's no afia after afia, but there is bishel after afia.
So to summarize, allows you to put something solid which was cooked, you can put it into hot water or liquid. An example, croutons. Croutons are fried. You, that's, that's cooked. You can put them into a hot soup. Allows you to put something which is baked, like a kugel, on, or roasted on a heat source, like a hot plate or a crock pot. You can put schnitzel, put it on a crock pot. You can make it hot. However, you can't take something which is baked, like challah, and immerse it in a hot liquid unless it's a klishlishi. This parasha, parasha Vayakal, it reviews the building of the Mishkan, and it seems like a chazara, like you know, we're reviewing what we said in parasha Teruma. But it, what it actually is doing is telling us how it played out, like how they actually did it. Parasha Teruma was the tzava, it was the commandment to build the Mishkan, and parasha Vayakal tells us how they actually built the Mishkan. The first thing, though, that the parasha says is don't build the Mishkan on Shabbos. And that Pasuk is the source that 39 Malachas are Asr on Shabbos. And those are the Malachas used in the process of building the Mishkan. It's learned from the very first or second Pasuk in the Ustusik Parish that says, Ela hadvarim Hashem These are the things Hashem commanded you to do. And then the Pasuk says, do them during the six days of the week, but stop on Shabbos. So, Eila Hadvarim, these are the things. So, Chazal say, the word Eila, which is Aleph, Lamed, and He, has a numerical value of 36. Eila, 36. Hadvarim. So, the word Dvarim is plural, add two more. And Hadvarim, the extra He, adds another, equaling another three. 36 plus 3 is 39. Eila Hadvarim, these 39 things are the things Hashem commanded you to do to build the Mishkan, but don't do them on Shabbos. Now, Rav Hirsch has a beautiful explanation in the concept of 39 malachas, why they're also on Shabbos. Now, I'd like to share with you. In addition, I want to contrast it with another concept that we find in the Parsha. The Pasuk says, So it says, Every person, kol ish, asher that his heart elevated him, his heart encouraged him, his heart motivated him, they came to work in the Mishkan. The Ramban says, beautiful Ramban, he says, these people, they didn't know, really. They had no training. They didn't know how to weave. They hadn't learned that in Mitzrayim. They certainly weren't goldsmiths. They weren't blacksmiths. They didn't have the skills necessary to do the intricate and extremely professional work necessary to create something like the Mishkan. So how did they do it? So the answer is, they were Nassau Libai. They said, we're motivated to do our best, and we're motivated to try. And we're going to try and try and try until we get it right. And we're not going to give up. And Hashem then gave them siyata deshmaya. And this, Rabbi Rucham speaks about this at length, beautifully, and he says how that is really what sets apart people. The difference, he says, is how much a person is willing to try, how much a person is willing to try to recognize his potential and to utilize his potential. He says, you look at the difference between the earlier generations, and this the Chavot Chaim also speaks about, why were they so great in Tyra? Why were they so great in Yerushalayim? He says, because we can't even begin to imagine how hard they tried. The Chavot Chaim quotes um, a Gemara that says that Rav, one of the first Amirayim of the Gemara, spent 18 months living with shepherds because he wanted to learn the halachas of which animals are kosher for a carbon and which are not. He had to study animals. So he lived with shepherds 
the most simple, simple, simple people around. That was a tremendous mysterious nefesh to understand the halachas of Mumin, the halachas of Karbanis. He says these are things that way beyond what any of us would dream of doing. And it's because they tried so hard and they wanted and they would stop at nothing to understand that they were successful. That's a Yavik Kal Ish And it's true of mankind as a whole. When we look, you know, especially at the point where history is holding now, how advanced technology is and how much humanity has accomplished with the potential that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in us. It's amazing, awe-inspiring. It's tremendous. Things that were unimaginable some decades earlier. So that is the potential power that every person has to recognize the kayach that Hashem put in us and put into the world. Now it comes to Rav Hirsch. Rav Hirsch says that it's all these things that they recognized and their power and their ability that they put into the making of the Mishkan. The Malachas, he says, the 39 Malachas, and he actually says, not, the, not 39, but 38 out of the 39 Malachas, and we'll get to that in a minute, 38 out of the 39 Malachas represent every form of manipulation and creation that we as humans can do to the world that Hashem created. We can plow, we can plant, we can build, we can burn, we can tie, we can weave, and we can make leather, and clothing, and etc. So all of the 38 out of the 39 malachas represent ways that we can change the world and bring out its potential and create things and, and br- make new things from what Hashem instilled and integrated into the world. And that's why when it comes Shabbos, we stop and we demonstrate that it's not us and it's all Hashem. And he says that we know there are two concepts in Shabbos. One is Zecher, Lamaisa Voracious, the Zecher of Bria Sa'ilam, Bria Shemaim Aretz, Shabbos is there to help us recognize that Hashem created the world. And there's another aspect of Shabbos, of Zecher Litzis Mitzrayim. We say both of them in Kiddush. Zecher, he was also Shemaim Aretz, and Zecher Litzis Mitzrayim. So he says the 38 Malachas are there so that we know all six days of the week, we utilize them. We utilize our full potential. We do everything a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants us to do with this world. And then on Shabbos, we stop to recognize who is it that put that potential in the world. We give it over to Hashem. We demonstrate that all this and all the Kayach and everything that we have is all what Hashem gave to us. It's all that Hashem um, in, in, infused into the Bria. That's one concept. But he says, the 39th malacha, the actual very last malacha, is saw carrying. And he says carrying is interesting, and this is reflected in the Gemara as well. Carrying is something you don't actually change anything about the world when you carry. You're not creating anything, you're not building, you're not fixing, you're not breaking. You're taking that one thing and moving it from one place to another, from Rosh Hashayachet, from a house into a street, from a street into a house, or from one place in the street to another place in the street. Why is this included in the 39 Malachas? So he explains that this represents a different aspect of the, what the, us as humans can do in the world, and that is that we have the ability to create a society. We can work together. And he says that is the concept of carrying. Carrying is in the Gemara and the Mishnah, when it talks about it, it talks about a poor man 
and a rich man and a rich man taking something out of his house and giving it to a poor man, taking something from your house and bringing it to a friend. Carrying represents the connection of society. It represents living together, creating a city, creating a society, having a history. And when we stop that, he says, we demonstrate how Kaddish Baruch Hu's control over every aspect of the world, not only of the physical world that he created, but us as people as well, us in society, how Kaddish Baruch Hu manipulates history as well. And that, he says, is the part of the 39 Malachas. Number 39 is Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is where Kaddish Baruch Hu demonstrated his absolute control over people, how he can when he, if he chooses, set us free. If he chooses, make people slaves. He can, he can run every aspect of the world and every aspect of people. <clears throat> it's all under his control. And that, this malacha of Haitzah, which is the malacha that demonstrates our ability to create a society, and when we refrain from that, we demonstrate that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that has that full control. That's the aspect that Zechel Atiyah Mitzrayim. So again, he, in contrast, the beginning, the parasha demonstrates how much potential a human being has. He can do tremendous things with no training, just simply because he wants, simply because he tries. He can build a mishkan, gold, silver, copper, wool, tchelas, argaman. He can do all those skills, jewel carving, <coughs> gem setting. Everything can be done simply because we try. We have that potential ability, but then it comes Shabbos and all those aspects of creation that we can do, we stop. And we say, Zeicher, Lameisav Reishas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that instilled all these powers into the world. It's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu's creation. And the last one of the Malachas I saw, carrying, which demonstrates society and how we work with each other, how we live with each other, how we create history, is Zeicher Letzius Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu controls that as well. Have a wonderful Shabbos.